And welcome back to The Perfect Playlist, the show that won't cure what ails you, but will at least give you some ideas of what songs to play and listen to while you're healing from whatever ails you. I am D-Pro, and uh, speaking of ailing, how's your 40-something-year-old body holding up these days, JD? <laughs> I am a, I'm a fragile, delicate flower. I just had that second vaccine shot. I had a fever for a day and a half. You could call it a man cold if you want. I say I was just completely incapacitated. I was the English patient in this house. Did you tell your wife? Because I, I find that because of the whole man cold mm-hmm. perception, I'm reluctant to tell my wife when anything is bothering me. No, I tell her and I write it on my forehead, essentially. I, I wear it. I own it. Considering you have two small children, does she have even a drop of sympathy for you? Zero. Probably. Sympathy, empathy, any pathy. It's, it's hard to blame her, but that's probably why you text me looking for sympathy. You know you're yeah. going to get it from me. Yeah, I need, I need my other lover to chime in and, and hold me. That's, Even, that's me, right? Just to yes, be clear? Okay. Yes, completely. Yes, of course. I didn't want you to get jealous there. In this scenario, I just wanted to make sure <laughs> it was just me. don't reach over and hit me, Joe. But I have to say, you know, COVID, et cetera, yada, yada. We're in quarantine. I'm watching so many weird things. And one thing I check in on, Pro from time to time is the Masked Singer. It's a fabulous, fascinating concept. <laughs> no idea why i really don't i just i just i am a a purveyor of trash and crap i really am but this show's a little different i mean it is crap let's be honest but at the same time it really it really speaks to the mysteries of life right if you walked into a house and you heard somebody singing and it was a voice that was foreign to you you would want to know who the fuck that person was yeah right exactly that's a good point, D-Pro, but I really have to share something with you and our friends here listening to The Perfect Playlist. I couldn't ignore this one. This, this is Caitlyn Jenner, finally unmasked, as if no one could know from the sound of Caitlyn's voice who this was performing Kesha's TikTok. Put your hands up. Come on, everybody, put your hands up. And the party don't start till I walk in. Don't stop make it pop. Wow. Everybody get on the floor. This sounds like somebody had pieced together like Dr. Evil dialogue from different Austin Powers movies. Wow. And they're cheering. That's an a please leave, yes. It's like Kiss just played rock and roll all night, and and they're ending the uh, ending the evening. Like, That's really who's sad. Who's gonna cheer for that shit? Is I've played lots of shows, lots of musical performances in my time, JD. Mm-hmm. I've never had even a quarter of that response from an audience. <laughs> Not even close, man. Not even close. <laughs> and nothing against Caitlyn; she's fine. It's just that it's not a hard song to sing. No. Not at all. I mean, there's that one note in, in the chorus, but that's yeah. just about it. Well, she handled it. Oh, 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 oh. But yes, that's what I'm doing in my quarantine time, D-Pro. So. You're doing more than I am. I, I, need, a, I need a fucking hobby. This is your hobby, <laughs> listening to terrible music uh, or discussing good music with me. Yeah, Those are your and hobbies. that's what we're doing today on today's theme, One Hit Wonders. I'm really excited about the One Hit Wonders theme. It's a, a rather perplexing rather fascinating aspect of music jd and there's so many of them out there you know we touched on this a little bit in the first episode with that thing you do that the title track from that film which was all about the one hit wonder mystique and uh, also hansen's umbop they're all they're all over the place so throughout the the lineage of this show there's going to be lots of one hit wonders but specifically today we're going to be talking about Some of our favorite one-hit wonders, and specifically, we tried, we haven't really done this the first few episodes, but we really tried to create a congruous playlist, one that you could play at a party. 
So, mm-hmm. for instance, I wanted to get this out there. Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You, maybe my favorite, one of my favorite songs of all time. That's not on the list because eh, it's not really a song you play at a party. I wanted to make sure that this created a nice vibe, and I think we've accomplished that with this, and I'm excited to get to it. Yeah, me too. And and through the years, to your point, there's so, so many. And you have to say, going into this, the 80s had just dozens upon dozens upon dozens of one-hit wonders. We didn't include too many on this list, but I do think we picked one of the best of all time, if not the best. And we'll get to that soon. I think we put forward a very, very fine and worthy representative of 80s music. Yes. For sure. We're certainly going to get to that. But let's kick things off here first with Depro's Choice. Quick intro here. Uh, this playlist is a party. We got to start this party off right with this banger for the ages from the Dividals. Let's do it. I love myself. I want you to love me. When I feel down, I want you above me. I search myself. I want you to find me. I forget myself. I want you to remind me. I don't want anybody else. When I think about you, I touch myself. Oh, I don't anybody else. It's juicy. I love it. Yes. I Touch Myself by the Divinals, one of my favorite one-hit wonders of all time. She's a sexy little tart. The video is uh, extremely sultry. Oh, Christina Amphlett, whatever her name is. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, you have to be to pull off a song like this. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're hideous, like I said on a previous podcast, if you're like a Peter Gabriel, you can't release a song <laughs> like this. Or you're a deviant. <laughs> so this is released. Louis Anderson singing this just <laughs> won't resonate. I, I'd almost Will like not to resonate. That. This is released as the, as the lead track off of the vinyl's fourth album released november 1990 reached number four on the u.s hot 100 i don't know what those three songs that were ahead of it but they weren't better than this fourth time's a charm as they say depro yeah by the way also a fun video as you alluded to video was directed by michael bay i did not realize this until i did some research yeah known for his explosions in film but um the only explosion in this one was from lead singer christina amphlett yeah between the legs yeah you but dude, this is a fun song. I think it was featured in one of the Austin Powers movies. But for sure, if I heard this at a party, this is the song that you put your you put your drink down for a second and you sing along with. Yeah, this is this is this is everyone hits the floor and starts grinding out there. Everyone everyone loves this song uh, in the sense of like you feel it. Yeah, you it, like it consumes you when this song comes on on a playlist or at a party, as you said. You want to kind of get out there and just writhe around like a snake. Right, but we check the vibe of the room. But we've we've mentioned before how it's hard to overcome the gimmick, right? Yes. So, but Katy Perry did that when she put out "I Kissed a Girl" and then she came out um, after that with "Hot and Cold." Yep. She somehow overcame the gimmick. The, the vinyls were not able to do that. Mm-hmm. This was like their first big hit. Yeah. And then they were never able to come close to that after. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's the one thing about One Hit Wonders that's amazing, and I think that we're going to talk about for each of these as we go down the list, is what's the follow-up here, right? How did how did each of these artists get the hit, and then what did they do after? Equally fascinating in my eyes. No, it is, yeah. And a lot of them, they, a lot of them fall flat. Some of them go in a completely different direction. Some of them try to stay within the vein of what they just put out. Yep. See if they can kind of tap the same vein. But um, real quick story about this. I was at a family party, one of my wife's family parties, when she was my girlfriend. So we've been dating a few months. And I went to this. The fir- one of the first times I was meeting like her whole extended family, it was at a party at a hall. 
and the DJ was doing this real cute thing where he was doing trivia, right? Yeah. And the question was, like, this was the only number, you know, whatever, the only, you know, hit mm-hmm. from the from you know, the Australian group, the Divinals. Mm-hmm. And I stood up and declared, I had a few too many at this party, and screamed, I touched myself. And it was this super <laughs> embarrassing moment for my girlfriend at the time. Uh, and the DJ said, you have f- serious problems, sir. It was, it was a bit of a moment. But uh, but you got the answer right. I did get it right. You know, I, I didn't get a prize, but I got it right. And that's the pri- that's prize enough for me. What Real- did you What did you win that evening besides uh, a, a lifelong of shame from that that family? Uh, probably the silent treatment from my girlfriend at the time. Yeah, that that uh, that checks out but, given your your relationship history. But 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 <laughs> but it's important to be uh, it's important to be right. I think always in situations like that. So, real quick tidbit on this song: in 2014. The I Touch Myself project was started. Project? Uh, this was a year after the passing of lead singer Christina Amplett from breast cancer. Oh, she passed away, huh? To Yeah, and I yeah. didn't know that either. Okay. To help promote uh, breast cancer awareness to touch oneself and check for lumps. So uh, th- the song has taken on a different meaning for some. I love awareness of any kind around topics like this and, and health items. So that's very nice. I, I like how they changed the narrative. They flipped the script a little bit to make this more of a... You know, screen yourself, et cetera. No, yeah, I, like I like it. That. I think it's great. Yeah. Phenomenal. All right. Let's move along to our next track, which is a um, one of the fun tracks on this list. I enjoyed this very, very much back in my day. Grade school, this came out. was played at virtually every single dance party, and it cut right through. It's Delight. Groove is in the heart. Yes, Delight. And the reason I love this one, Hit Wonders, is because you can play it on virtually any playlist. This fits parties. This fits uh, dance mixes. This fits, you know, you cleaning the house, anything. It will make you feel good at any time. Any type of activity where you're, where you're out there being active. I mean, it doesn't work with a sleep playlist. No. Let's be clear. It doesn't, kind of doesn't work with an intimate dinner playlist. Right? Not necessarily, but, but anything with else. most. With yeah. most. Um, I, and I like this, too, because at this time... This came out, you know, around, I think, like, I don't know, 89 or 90, I want to say. But at the time here in the Northeast, Northern New Jersey, they were playing, like, nothing but freestyle music. Do you remember that crap? Oh, yeah. Um, So that dominated all of my parties in the eighth grade and freshman year of high school. But then this came on. And then you got the hippie freaks dancing to it. You got the hip-hop kids dancing to it. You've got the freestyle and fans and guidos dancing to it. So it was like a universal come together feel good kind of song for everyone yeah i mean uh this song by the way reached number one in australia in four in the u.s another song that hit four Crikey. in the u.s but it's a it's a beautiful combination of like funk r&b dance yes. it's a lot of fun like the, the bass is, is a prominent instrument in this song and right here q-tip from tribe called quest and the thing i love about this is the new york club scene is on display here 
This is a New York-based band, a very diverse group of people. The singer, uh, the female you just heard, I think Miss Kier, her name is, she's from the Midwest. One of the DJs is a Russian guy. The other DJ is Toate. He's a Japanese immigrant. And then on this, you've got, you know, Bootsy Collins from Parliament P-Funk, Q-Tip from Tribe Called Quest. It's just this whole mesh of just New York sounds and, and funky feels put together. And because of everything that they brought together, JD, it feels like a party's happening in the recording studio while they're putting this together. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what created the vibe. Real interesting... Oh, hold on. You can't talk over that part. You just can't. Great breakdown. Yeah, that's really cool. Was that it actually reached number two in the UK charts. I don't okay. know if you knew about this, but it reached number two because it was quote-unquote tied... Who the fuck ties in the charts with Steve Miller Band's The Joker? And because the Joker? The Joker, because... Oh, UK's weird like this. They bring songs back all the time. Yeah, because The Joker was number one the previous week, too. They just fucking gave number one again to The Joker, <laughs> which is the weirdest rule. It's like tie goes to the runner type of thing. Or the older song. You, but you might as well have just gone in alphabetical order at that point. That would have made just as much sense. But ultimately, they did... They checked in with the, the, the organization that counted the record sales and determined that Steve Miller Band's The Joker was ahead of um, Groove is in the Heart. That's so weird. Um, the thing I love about D-Light is that they tried to follow this up. They tried to get a little less out of the party zone, and their 1992 follow-up focused a lot on things like the environment, safe sex, politics. Huh. It just didn't resonate. No, nobody wants you for Nobody wants that from you. And so it's, I like to check in on these people from time to time. Like the lead singer, Miss Kier, I went right to Twitter to find her. Her Twitter account is currently suspended. <laughs> so Lord knows what she's talking about or what got her into trouble in Twitterverse. Oh, boy. <laughs> Nothing good. Nothing good can come of that. Oh, man. So moving right along here on the show. Oh, man. I love this. This like, is 80s. Those hollow drum sounds. Nothing, nothing screams 80s music more than this synthesizer-infused masterpiece from this Norwegian pop band, Aha. It's yeah. take on me. And this came out in the States in 1985. A huge number one hit on Billboard. And listen to this, D-Pro. Spent 27 weeks on the charts. Oof. That's a half of a year of hearing this song in heavy rotation. Big O. Give it up on trying to hit. I think uh, everyone's tried to sing that in the shower at least once or twice, right? Yeah, I mean, or, or in the car, whatever have yes. you. But, or um, after masturbation, whatever. <laughs> or during. <It's> probably <laughs> during is the best time to try it. Yes. But that is one of those notes, and as you, I don't know if I've said this, spoken about this on the podcast, but I'm a singer, songwriter, whatever. Yeah, whatever and, is right. <laughs> so, you know, I have, a, I have a higher range than people think. You know, I can sing fairly high notes. But that is one of those notes that, much like trying to grow a beard, I've completely given up 
and I'm like five or six times was enough. I'm not even going to try to hit this note anymore. But it's something that comedically people have tried over the years. Yes. And it's up in the rafters. It is up in the rafters. It's up there. And I, I love the emotion on display here. And one thing I love about the way you and I talk about Music Depro is you said, hey, Just, well, my name is Justin. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry, well, fans. Back the curtain, everybody. We didn't know who I was. Uh, but you said, hey, Just, check out the acoustic version of this song. You pointed me to the acoustic performance of this, and you really feel the emotion. It like it gets 10,000 times more emotional hearing the acoustic version, and frankly, it sent me. Yeah, you know, and everything, everything, every any song worth worth its weight is a good acoustic song as well, mm -hmm. for the most part. I mean, yes. like ninety nine percent of the time, that's true. Um, but <laughs> here's a little tidbit most people can appreciate. Sure, because of the name of the band, Aha. This is whenever I would plug my iPod into my car ah. uh, system. This is the first song they would always play. <laughs> that's great. So I got tired of it after a while. I'm like. Damn it, enough with that, those damn hollow drums. You start up the car, vroom. Do, 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 <laughs> yeah. do, do. All right, let's go to fucking my soul-crushing job. And do, 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 do. The, but the, the video, as you know, an in absolute innovator. Yes. With, uh, you know, those pencil sketches with uh, rotoscoping, it's called. Sure. You know, so absolutely revolutionary technology and something that still stands the test of time today. It does, because even as of a year ago, this video on YouTube has received over 1 billion views. 1 billion? Yes. So this, this, is, this one hit has got legs and legs for days, my yeah, friend. Yeah, and certainly YouTube did not exist when this song was uh, originally a hit. Correct. So that's pretty impressive. Just, just speaks to their staying power. Yeah, exactly. And this band, you know, in terms of the follow-up, so where are they now? They were one of these bands that were very, very big in their homeland of, of Norway, you said? No, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And so... Overseas in Europe, they had live performances. I mean, they're big in England, etc. But they just didn't get another hit here in the States. And they put out good, meaningful, soulful music. So, yeah. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> I don't know. I thought, I, thought, I thought there was a road to somewhere, but I wasn't sure. It's really not. Um, <laughs> but no, they put, out, they put out 10 studio albums, compilations, four live albums. So they've definitely made their mark on the industry, just not here in the States. But do you think, I would think most of these artists we're talking about today, you said you put, they put out 10 albums. That's a lot of albums. That's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into yes. your craft. A lot of shkarol. Do you think that they're constantly chasing that high? Yes, I do. All the time. Yeah, I do. You got to be. You got to be. As an artist, I think so. You see that with some others, um, some that we'll go into later. They just try different things or different avenues to recapture that magic. But before we get to that, we're going to take you to the year 2000 and a very, very cool early odd song. Break out your lower back tattoo. Come, my lady. Come, come, my lady. You're my butterfly. Sugar, baby. Come, my lady. Come, come, my lady. You're my butterfly. Sugar, baby. Such a sexy, sexy, pretty little thing. This paper bitch, you got me sprung with your tongue ring. And I ain't gonna lie, cause your loving gets me high. So to keep you by my side, there's nothing that I won't try. All right, let's come back in right here. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, yeah, we're good on that. <laughs> but, you know, when people talk about, you know, this is this is um, Butterfly by Crazy Town. When people talk about the rap rock movement, J.D., 
they often remember it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, you know, for sure. Kid Rock, Limp Bizkit, some 41 to a lesser extent. Um, forgetting that some of the music was really good. Um, yeah. And a lot of it was fun. And this was probably, you know, one of my favorite rap rock tunes of the era. I agree. I agree. I think this is like he's talking about his magnetic attraction for a woman here, his girl, and why she makes him kind of crazy. And we can all relate to that. Yeah. And it isn't. Despite it, the rock rap rapper. Right. And it's not a predatory song. But, and, you know, like we certainly talked about some of those songs on the podcast before. Yeah. But this is this is a, this is a mutual thing. Like I'll make you feel good, you make me feel good. Everything's kumbaya. And it's interesting because, and I'm glad you brought that up because the reason he wrote this was his girlfriend essentially forced him to write this. Get out! I swear to God. Direct quote from the singer is: "We were writing songs like lollipop porn when there was no girlfriend, and all of a sudden I was in this relationship." <laughs> It doesn't sound like a song that your girlfriend would force you to write. That's interesting to me. Yeah, isn't it? It's it's an interesting little tidbit. I mean, you know, there's a little TMI here with the lyrics, you know, talking about nipple rings and he's he sprung by her tongue ring and the nipple rings and tongue rings this is definitely like like early millennium. Yes. <laughs> it's not all sunshines and rainbows. As I mentioned earlier, the lower back tattoo is definitely on display for this song. Yep. But I do like that it is like a physical and emotional relationship, and the singer lays it all out there. Yeah. For his I, butterfly. This is one of those songs that I'm glad you brought it in, in, into the fold here, JD, that if I'm at a party and this song comes on, I'm grooving to it. I'm stopping what I'm doing and I'm listening. And plus, too, if you say to someone, just, come, my lady, come, come, my lady, you're my butterfly, like, they know the next line. Yep. Shuka, baby. You know, it's like one of those... Hits that just sticks in your head. Did you think because they had so much success with it, they're a victim of their own success because they couldn't possibly reach these heights again? I think so, and they didn't want to. So the the band collectively decided that they wanted out of pop and back to what got them signed, and that was like the the harder rock rap stuff. So they went back to the drawing board there and just kind of stuck to their guns, and unfortunately. It didn't work. It, it was all very try-hard, as you can imagine. Sure. Um, and so the singer ended up publicly battling addiction. He appeared on VH1 Celebrity Rehab and Sober House. Um, but, you know, as a silver lining here, the singer ended up um, recording a song called Starry Eye Surprise. Do you happen to know that? No, okay. I don't. I don't know what I'm okay. saying. Yeah. I'll, play a, I'll play a little clip for you. Here it is. All right. So this is a Paul Oakenfold um, track, right, JD? So technically, we can still keep uh, Butterfly on the on the playlist. Yes, not a crazy town hit. Paul Oakenfold track featuring the singer. I think his name is Shifty. Um, so yes, I mean, I'm sure he got some royalties for that. It ended up on a Coke commercial. All good things. Yeah. And uh, Michael Steele, a music director of the, of the Kiss FM, the, the pop radio station, mm -hmm. noted the song's crossover appeal in an interview with the LA Times, declaring. Uh, that among rap rock songs, Butterfly was the one that completely crossed over the rap rock genre. It transcended it, I think. Yeah, it sure did. And you could play it on pop stations. You could play it, I mean, maybe on like the rap-ish stations, maybe not the hardcore. Not, you won't play it on Hot 97, yeah, but, but it, it has a, in other words, it could be shoehorned into some rap stations. And I, I think that really speaks to to the um, to the appeal of a lot of these tracks we're talking about. A lot of tracks just in music is if it has crossover appeal, you're going yeah. <laughs> to make a lot more money. So, JD, we've reached the point in the playlist where we've hit our first song 
that is truly iconic. She's just so wow. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. Yeah, when a girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face, you get sprung. Wanna pull up tough, cause you notice that butt was stuck. Deep in the jeans she's wearing. I'm hooked and I can't stop staring. Oh, baby, I wanna get whipped up and take your picture. My whole boy's trying to warn me, but that butt you got makes me so horny. Ooh, rump a smooth skin. You say you wanna get in my bins? Well, use me, use me, cause you ain't that average groupie. I seen her dancing. To hell with romance. This is tough, JD, because there's really no, like, like easy in with this song because it just it's good throughout there's no chorus really right so yeah. but, th- th- but, then he, back. but then he'll bring you right back with my anaconda yeah <laughs> my anaconda don't want none unless you got buns on there's yeah. so many great lines snaps you right back in this song and that's why i said it's the first truly iconic song this is on my like my mount rushmore of not only just 90s hip-hop but just 90s songs mm. uh this song was enormous and still is and it's one of those songs that stands the test of time because you put it on now and you know, my kids are dancing to it. You know, I, 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 I don't play them the entire song at this point in their lives. But it's, um, it's, it's just, I love this song because it's a rap song. That's everything that, for me, is great about rap. Um, you know, clever, witty lyrics. It's, mm-hmm. it's quick on its feet. I'm, I'm not a fan of the posturing, you know, my side versus your side rap music. Uh, it's um, the foundation of rap, but okay. I get it. I get it. But, like, it doesn't connect with me is what I'm saying. So this is fun. This is something you can play at a party. Uh and, but I do like that there is a lot of body positivity here. Exactly. That's, so and that's it, why it hasn't been canceled. No, it stands the test of time. If I can quote Mr. A lot, I will say that he, <laughs> he said, and I quote, I'm not talking about women who are shaped like me with a gut, but women who ran five miles a day with a washboard, six-back stomach, and a nice, round, beautiful, supple ass. <laughs> Direct quote. That's cool. Yeah. You know, it's a, and it's encouraging, I think, you know, women to, you know, not be so overly concerned with their body image because what they've got going on is is beautiful. It you is. Know, that, that's, that's what I take away from the song. And I think, again, that's why this song has lasted as long as it, it, it has. And in the culture of 2021 where just about everything that's remotely inappropriate has been canceled, this, is, um, this has stayed there. And this song, Above the Message, is just plain fun. It's got big bass, big sounds, big moments. Yeah. And this wasn't the first single off of this album. His first single, which he argued for, by the way. So the label wanted this song, Baby Got Back, to be the single. He flat out argued that the first single off the album should be a song called One Time's Got No Case. That just rolls off the tongue, J.D. <laughs> it's got hit written all over it. <laughs> yeah. But really, he tried to make this song as non-sexist as possible. And he said, and I quote again, you couldn't really do Baby Got Brains and sell records. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean. like, I, and Baby Got SAT score. <laughs> no, and it's not going to work. got a wonderful personality. <laughs> yeah. but like on one hand. Baby's in Mensa. On one hand, yes. Is he objectifying her? I mean, tons of songs do that. But yes. Okay, fine. But he's also propping. Talking her, about what he likes. He's also propping. Yes, exactly. I think that's fine. He's also propping her up and. You like as liberating her in some sense, for for sure. But I will say this: going back to the objectifying aspect of the song, for the casting of this video, for all the dancers, Mix a Lot and his friends, they wanted to have butt approval, so that was in the contract that they would take Polaroid pictures 
of these uh, women's butts, and they would have the you know right of first refusal on butts that would show up in the video. This seems like a cancelable <laughs> offense, JD. It kind of is, but it's funny. I guess it's creative control to an extent. But I mean, that's the artistry that you're dealing with in in a song like this. And I think it's funny that you know people nowadays bring up WAP, Nicki Minaj's WAP. We'll bring that up again as like the oh my god, I can't believe this song is out there. This and that. Meanwhile, they have no issue going to their neighbor's bar mitzvah or their cousin's wedding and singing "My Anaconda Don't Want None Unless You Got Buns." Hun, think about what that guy is saying right there, yep. and think about what Cardi B said. Not that different. I find that most people, and probably ourselves too, are very selective in what we are uh, offended by. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's not it's it's very rarely consistent. But I love that this is on your your Rushmore. This song definitely has lasting power. Can play it at any party or any get together, and people do think it's innocent, even though it's really not. Um, but it's inspired people and 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 things as well. Like Nicki Minaj's Anaconda, for example, samples this video heavily or yeah. this song heavily and pulls from the video as well. But the one kind of funny tidbit about this, JD, is back in probably the early two thousands, two thousand one or two, I had a buddy John who called me and said, hey, you know, I was just in Hoboken mm -hmm. and I was at a parking garage and I was about to pay my ticket and some guy came up to me with like this funky hat and said, you know, I don't have any cash on me or I left my wallet wherever. That and, old gag. Yeah, that old gag. And you might give me like 20 bucks for parking. Mm -hmm. And he gave it to him and he went back to the car. He was with his girlfriend at the time, went back to the car and his girlfriend said, Do you know who the fuck that was? That was fucking Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> You just validated Sir Mix-a-Lot's parking. Yeah. <laughs> so that leads me to believe that maybe he spends a lot of the revenue from this song. <laughs> Probably. And yeah, you know, maybe he keeps it in cryptocurrency. He doesn't have cash on hand. <laughs> it's possible. It's definitely possible. Moving right along here on the Perfect Playlist, One Hit Wonders bath we are taking today. One of the all-time greats. Speaking of iconic, Yo, VIP. Let's, let's kick it. And I'm not talking about One Hit Wonders. I mean, one of the all-time greatest artists ever to put pen to paper. It's Rob Van Winkle, Vanilla Ice. All right, stop, collaborate, and listen. Ice is back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow. Stream, I rock a mic like a vandal. Light up a stage and wax a chump like a candle. Dance, crush a speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom. Deadly when I play a dope melody. Anything less than the. Do you still know all the lyrics to this? I never at did. At this point, no? No. I like this song, but I didn't. It, it didn't but even so. Become a part of my lexicon. My wife, though, is better. She can, she can do the whole song. I mean, come on, man. You got to feel that. That's chorus. a hook. This is one of the first, like, hooks I remember yes. really being drawn into as a kid. Yes. This is, what, 1990? So I was 11? Yeah, something like that. Maybe like 14. So, yep. yeah, this is right in our impressionable wheelhouse. Just think that was 30-plus years ago. No, it wasn't. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> this is the first single I ever owned. Funny you mentioned that because I, for whatever, I guess I didn't have, I was 11, so I didn't have any money. I asked for this and didn't get it. This was the first cassette single I wanted. Mm-hmm. Because singles were amazing, and this one was, like, all blue, so it had, like, the ice kind of color, quote-unquote, if you will. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, so I thought I was hot shit in my Z Cavaricis uh, and skids. Uh, 
I was always told that I didn't fit in Z Cavaricci, so I couldn't wear it. I never owned a pair of Cavaricis. It's probably the biggest regret of my childhood. I only owned one, and then my parents bought the rest uh, of knockoffs. The, the baggier kind of pants that were like knockoffs that had a little white label on the crotch. That's unacceptable, though. It is, but I you know, would purposely tuck my shirt over the zipper so it would cover that Z Cavarici, where the Z Cavarici label would have been. <laughs> so that's something I did. But Vanilla Ice kind of brought the baggy pant thing in. Yeah, so yeah. suddenly like skids and all those other kind of baggy-ass pants were in vogue at the time. Oh, thanks were, to Vanilla Ice. I, I, had this people, video. I was the only kid or... I don't know. The only kid who wasn't a complete loser in in grammar in a, a junior high not to have Cavaricis. And remember this kid Sean asked me like, "So do you own a pair of Cavaricis or what's the fuck's going on with you?" Like, "Yeah, what's what? your fucking deal? <laughs> yeah, what's your problem?" And I I I was like, "No, I'm 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 good. I don't need a pair." Like in my head I'm thinking, "I want a pair so badly, but <laughs> my parents won't let me get them." This song obviously completely rips off the sample of Queen's Under Pressure, Queen mm-hmm. and David Bowie. And the problems arose here after the song came out because they didn't clear that sample with Queen or David Bowie. No, which they, is astonishing to me that they didn't. <laughs> same. They ran into a lot of issues. They had to settle on the deal, uh, like a publishing deal with them. So, whereas Queen and David Bowie are now credited as co-writers of the song. And so those estates are just rolling in money right now. And rightfully so. You wrote the damn song. <laughs> exactly. You wrote the hook. You're, you're half the reason that this song is popular in the first place. But when when asked for a quote, Mr. Mr. Ice did have this to say, and I quote, it doesn't sound anything like under pressure. Up, up, <laughs> That's he, not going to hold up in court. He lay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's going to crumble under questioning. Uh, um, but... Um, <laughs> Apparently, went uh, Van Winkle or whatever, the, the Ice Ice, Mr. Ice or whatever the yeah. fuck you Rob want to call Van Winkle. Mr. Rob Get Van Get his Winkle. name off your goddamn lips. <laughs> Claimed that that was it, that he was kidding. But clearly, he was trying no. to get away with it. No, he was trying to pull a fast one on everyone. But, JD, this was the first ever uh, song that can be classified as hip hop that went number one on the Billboard Hot 100, correct? I think that's right. And I think a big thing that this song did was bring, quote-unquote, hip-hop to mainstream. They made kind of hip-hop cool and, and brought, like, a street vibe to popular music, billboard music. But can you imagine being, like, a legitimate, like, hip-hop artist right. who's worked for years at his craft? Yeah. And then you're asked in an interview, so what's the song that put hip-hop on the map? And you have to begrudgingly say... Ice Ice Baby. Right. Ice. <laughs> yeah. Now, mind you, we're not talking about rap with, like, Sugar Hill Gang. This is, like, this is different. This is hip-hop. This is more like a bounce to it, a more right. of a street feel. Uh, so, yes, exactly. But this song was nominated for a Grammy for Best Solo Rap Performance, but lost to MC Hammer's You Can't Touch This, who d- technically doesn't qualify for this list. I thought he would, but he doesn't. No, it's close. I mean, he had yeah. too legit to quit. Yeah, He had exactly. a couple other, like, lesser known hits. Yep. So, um... But speaking of cassette singles, please hammer, don't hurt them. The the album by MC Hammer that had you can't touch this yeah. was the first cassette album I owned. <laughs> right around that same time, so I guess I guess the next month I got ten bucks in my pocket and I there we got go. that album. You're you're all in on hip hop, hip hop deep pro. I loved it. You yeah, know, like you, you want to music, and this is why vinyls make it such a comeback. Music is personal and it should feel intimate, and there's nothing more intimate than holding that music in your hands. 
But let's talk about the follow-up here. Vanilla Ice is still very much a relevant pop icon. Just last night, in fact, as I was prepping for this show. Yes, we do prep for this show, despite (laughs) what you might think and hear. Ice T and Stone Cold did a Tide commercial with Vanilla Ice, where they're they're on the phone talking to him. I didn't know that. It's phenomenal. It's pretty funny. I got to see that. Hollywood noticed Vanilla Ice becoming a thing, and you know, with everyone in the mainstream, hip hop fans, pop fans, etc. So they decided to capitalize and, and cast him in a movie called Cool as Ice. Do you remember that one? Vaguely. I've, I've blocked it out of my memory now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the the tagline for the Cool as Ice movie is, when a girl has a heart of stone, there's only one way to melt it. Just add ice. <laughs> <laughs> the poster, you have to Google the image of the poster for Cool as Ice. It's just him sitting on like a fucking rock or something. <laughs> Who are the people that they brought in to write this film and to write these taglines? I don't know. But my point is, you know, with the Tide commercial, et cetera, he's still relevant. In fact, Vanilla Ice, he planned a 4th of July concert amid COVID. COVID be damned. His rationale for the concert was, quote, we didn't have coronavirus in the 90s. So that was his logic. And that's where he lives. So that makes sense. <laughs> exactly. Fast forward a couple of weeks. Headline, Vanilla Ice postpones July 4th concert over spike in coronavirus cases. <laughs> what is this, Back to the Future? Oh like, we're clearly God. not in the 90s anymore, dude. Dude, I don't know, man. But the 90s were a great time for this band. Next up on our list. Oof. God, what a riff. One of the greatest guitarists ever written. Who's that, Malcolm X? Might be. Okay, so we do a little homework for this show, but not that much homework. <laughs> this is a deep row selection. Cult of Personality. Ooh, my living color. I just want to stop and listen to this beautiful masterpiece oh, of the song. It's beautiful. God bless Vernon Reed. What a track. Cult of Personality by Living Color. Uh, Slaps Ju- you right in the face. From July of 1988. One of the great like hype-up songs of all time. Whenever I want to get motivated for something, I play this. It reached 13 on the Hot 100. And, uh, Which surprises me. You know, for a song that rocks like this, to hit like that in 1988 when you've got yeah. like... Terrence Trent Darby and all these other randos entering the pop charts. The late 80s this is was very a, random. was a weird time. It was a kind know, of a mess in It would have made way more sense in like 1992. For sure. Than 1988. But, um, you know, let's just talk about the obvious thing, JD. Mm-hmm. You know, if we were just talking about, you know, Ice Ice Baby just before Vanilla Ice, you know, a white guy taking black people music. Yeah. This is kind of, a, a lot of people perceive this as the inverse of that. So Vernon Reed has said, like, them existing was controversial. You know, a, a black guy putting out heavy, you know, heavy metal. Let's call it what it is. You know, very heavy metal influenced music. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Vernon Reed, by the way, claimed this entire song is written. I love these stories. Written in one rehearsal session. That is really, really cool. It took me three songs to write a book. It took me. It took me three years rather to write a book mm. that fourteen people have read. <laughs> and it took this guy like three hours to write one of the greatest rock songs that, that's ever been written. 
Right, but you know, the novel is uh, you know a piece of art that will forever be etched into our minds, hearts, and souls. Oh, shut All up. fourteen stop. of us. Just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of the fourteen, by the way, and I'm I'm one of the fourteen too. So the whole idea, you know, is is to. This is a quote for. Uh, this is a quote from Vernon Reed himself. The whole idea was to move past the duality of that's a good person and that's a bad person. You right. Know, that's that's why he mentions Mussolini. He mentions Gandhi. Yes. And it's really a lot about charisma and how charismatic people can make people large droves of people can do whatever they want them to do. Not that in our current history any large political figure has done that. But well, I'm just saying. Some people. Yeah. <laughs> And listen to this solo right here. I mean, this is one of my favorite solos of all time. I mean, and it gets a little more soulful as the solo goes on, a little less shreddy. But Vernon Reed recorded that solo in one take. You're listening to the first and only take of this solo right here. It's astonishing, it's, right? It's it's cra- it's crazy to me to think because when I've gone in bands, I've gone into studios with bands. It, we've taken our time, you know, and you know we're not as skilled, so it took like clearly eighteen or nineteen tracks. You don't have to keep piling on, JD. <laughs> but that reminds me of um, while my guitar gently weeps. Eric Clapton went and did that entire gu- lead guitar line in one take. Yeah, exactly. That's that's talent. That is talent, and and you know. I'm I'm kind of an air guitar aficionado. I can't even get some guitar, guitar solos in one take, and, and he nailed it here. So I, I, you know, real recognize real is what I'm saying. I've tried to play this air guitar, and my fingers get tired. I have to it's, stop. It's tough. But they, I'm I'm actually glad that this band did reach a modicum of success, despite being a one hit wonder here. Like they are in a lane where it's very tough to even have a hit, and that's hard rock. Yeah, and so. They winded up winning a Grammy Award for this song under Best Hard Rock Performance. That alone, despite whatever came next, is an extreme achievement. Yeah, can't take that away from them. Ask not. Really cool production and editing there. Really, really cool. I love that you put this on the list. At first, my eyebrow raised. I'm used to very, very pop selections being one-hit wonders, you know? Sure. Yeah, this is one, and that's kind of why I brought it up. Not only do I love the song, but it's not your typical pop song to show up on this list. Not at all. Not at all. Bringing us back to the 2000s. Cute little ditty, Gnarls Barkley. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. There was something so pleasant about that place. Even your emotions have an echo in so much space. Instantly singable, immediately. The first, it's that's the mark of a great song. One yes. of the many marks of a great song. The first time you hear it, you want to sing it. Yeah, from two thousand six. I mean, this this thing made its mark worldwide. Uh, peaked at number two on Billboard. Didn't quite Billboard Hot one hundred. Didn't quite get to number one, but that's okay because I think Gnarls Barkley, in some senses, is a bit of an underdog story. You've got some. Uh, you got a hip hop slash mashup producer in Danger Mouse, and then you've got a soul slash uh, rap singer in CeeLo Green coming off of Goody Mob making a hit. 
it's an interesting kind of chemistry. And it's an interesting chemistry. You know, apparently there's a lot of inspiration from like spaghetti westerns from this song. Yeah, for sure. You hear it in the guitars and the drums. Right, but I think CeeLo Green is fascinating because he may be one of the only artists of all time to have the distinction of being uh, scoring one-hit wonders with two different acts. Oh, because okay. he had this track and then he also had quote unquote forget you. Right. As a solo artist, right? Yes. His big single. Yes. And both of them were, were performed by, by CeeLo Green. Yeah. Forget you. And first of all, is Am for, I on key there? Or not? <laughs> we're, we're close, so we'll work on that. But is Forget You the only track that is like, who's, that, that, whose lyrics are like a, a cable TV version of the actual lyrics of the song? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, the song is called Fuck You, right. let's be honest. Exactly. To get us right to the explicit uh, label on the pod. Yep. And then they changed it for radio to Forget You. Which is kind of like if the Divinals had called it, like, I hug myself. Right. <laughs> or Sir mix said, baby got, you know. Well, back, actually, no, back is clean. My yeah, bad. Back is clean. My bad. My bad. So instead of wet ass. Baby got back sweat, maybe. <laughs> baby got back fat. But I didn't know this, JD, that this song was number one on Rolling Stone's 2009 list of 100 best songs of the decade. I can get behind that. I mean, you know, all right, let's face it. Songs from 2000 to 2010, pretty fucking weak, right? Yeah. Pretty weak. Yeah. In fact, I think a good idea for us is to do an aughts playlist That'd and just yeah. come up with, like, just awful, like, n- just load it with Nickelback and, and a puddle of mud and just have some fun with it. Well, that, that, that It was le- a tough time for music. That leads me to, to something that I wanted to talk about with you on the air and for our listeners to hear and to give us feedback on. Should we do... An episode that's all about, you know, worst songs, you know, yeah. worst songs of the aughts, worst songs of the 90s, because we just bomb ourselves. We talked about doing that when we launched the podcast mm-hmm. is, 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 you know, this shouldn't all be about, you know, the best songs or the funnest songs. It should also be about the worst. We should have some fun with that. <laughs> we should. So if you're listening out there, you know, drop us a line on, 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 on Twitter at the perfect PL and let us know what you think. But I think in some ways this is funny, but that this song became a hit. <clears throat> Oh, got a wine burp. You got to keep that in there. Yeah. <laughs> keep that in the episode. <laughs> My wine burp? Yeah. Um, because there is a theme here. It's like they're taking you through a story about how the song's narrator really refers to the thin line between self-control, losing your mind, and then as the song kind of evolves and goes on and this person discovers their true identity, they're starting to question whether... They are the crazy one, or everyone else is the crazy one. That's like a Twilight Zone type of uh, type of trope. Yeah, I like it. But for a Billboard hit, that's a fucking whack concept. It is. Well, apparently, when when uh, CeeLo Green and I don't know if it was Danger Mouse were were talking about the concept of this song, they were joking that you know that that, that the deliverer of this song would have to be crazy for people to be interested in the subject matter. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it, very peculiar kind of hit, but. Everything works there. The production of Danger Mouse, the sounds and soulful voice of of um, CeeLo Green, it just works and makes a makes a funky, funky hit. All right, JD, it's time for yours truly to hop onto my soapbox because this band deserves more than three minutes of your time. Here's Fountains of Wayne.
All right, let's come back in. I just, whenever I hear Fountains of Wayne, I just want to keep listening. They're a cool little band that I know you have stumped for since probably the year I met you. A cool little band. That, that's how you <laughs> refer to, like, maybe my favorite band of all time. Okay. I'm not trying to trivialize Wait, them. Way to minimize them, but okay. <laughs> so this song was a, was a big success for them. I just want to listen. Okay. Chorus. It's like sex here, Deep Row. We just took a little break. We had a little yeah. interlude there. Now we're coming back. So Stacey's Mom by Fountains of Wayne peaked at 21 on the Hot 100. Um, and this was Stacey's Mom from Fountains of Wayne's third studio album, Wake Welcome Interstate Managers. I'm a huge Fountains of Wayne song, Fountains of Wayne fan. I make, yes. um, you know, no question about that. Written by bassist Adam Schlesinger, who also is the, the man who wrote That Thing You Do, which we mentioned in our first episode. Tremendously talented and successful musician. And the thing I love about this song, this, oh God, this, the wine's kicking in here, Deepro. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. It happens. <laughs> the thing I love about this song is that it gives a shout out to all the ladies over 40. Like, this is their moment, Stacy's mom. It is. But, like, but, but to that same point, JD, it bothers me that, like, that the band is trivialized in that way. Let's hear it for all those stressed out women in mom jeans and keds right now. This is their moment on the perfect playlist pod. So when, so, so when Adam wrote this song, little background, Chris Collingwood, the singer went to him and said, I'm going to warn you against including this on the album. Oh, because once you put this out there, this is going to be our most successful song. Like it's just, wow, that is vision. It's, it's, it's pretty apparent to me that this song is probably going to be a hit as a, as a strong likelihood of being a hit. And if you put it out there, this is how we're going to be remembered. Wow. So are you ready for that? Awesome. And, um, and I don't think that the singer Chris Collingwood wanted to do that, mm. you know? Yeah. And I can understand why, because if you know anything about Chris and why would you, he's kind of like a, he's a very kind of um, to himself kind of guy, not like a rock star. Okay. Um, you know, the band is very influenced by the cars, as you heard by this track. I mean, this reeks of just what I needed. The, the it, intro, everything. Exactly, yeah. It's like, so, it's bowing at the altar of just what I needed by the Exactly, cars. and you know, like, they, they were a big fan of power pop, mm -hmm. but they weren't hit makers. You know, they put out songs that were, I always felt accessible to a lot of people. My, you know, my wife and, and, you know, some people that, some people in her life would listen to this and would get behind it. Fountains of Wayne was always a band that I could put on on road trips because they were very easily accessible to people who like pop music. This, But that said, this is probably the fourth or fifth best song on that album alone. And this is not be, me being, you know, a, a, a snob about it. But it's a good song. It is. Right? It's a great party song. But listen to some of their other stuff. Valley Winter Song, Mexican Wine, Utopia Parkway, Hackensack, Red Dragon Tattoo. There's a lot of stuff that, that Fountains of Wayne has put out. This is my plea to our listeners that if you heard this song, this if you're going to listen to only one band's other track, the rest of their catalog, then this is the band that you should listen to. So are you done yet? That's all I'm going to ask. <laughs> I could go into some of their other work. <laughs> my God. But, uh, but all kidding aside... Um, the funny thing about this song is the story behind it, and that's part of the inspiration for this song was Schlesinger. Oh, Adam's grandmother? Yes. <laughs> Growing up, he had a friend who thought his grandmother was hot, and he said, quote, 
One of my best friends, when we were maybe 11 or 12, came to me and announced that he thought my grandmother was hot. And I said, hey, you're stepping over the line. But at that point in, in, in my life, I, I wouldn't put it past anyone, he said. <laughs> right. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Your friend thinks your grandma's hot, so you write a song about it. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever been in that position. You know, <laughs> no, no. Maybe like one or two teachers, but a grandmother? <laughs> when I'm 10 or 11 years old, and that's how it is positioned. In well, let's let's be honest here. In in the video, Rachel Hunter is the mom. Oh, it's still incredibly beautiful. I don't. Yes. So the, she was. If she was a grandma, then she's the hottest grandmother I've ever seen. <laughs> exactly. We are going to finish up the playlist. My last pick is this one from Sweden, 1996. The Cardigans and Love Fool. chorus there right oh, that feels good i mean the whole song is great you know the production behind it as we we're talking about with our mics off the bass yes. is such a driver in this song for sure i have appreciation for that the swedish takeover jd is in full effect on yes. the pod you know first ace of bass and now this we talked about abba yeah are we a swedish <laughs> podcast i think we should be our numbers in sweden should be through the roof by now but for real i mean this was a top 10 hit on the billboard uh hot 100 in 1996 went gold in 97 um the really cool thing about this band is that they formed in the early 90s two of the guys that formed this band were like jazz musicians going studying music theory then they decided to take this cardigans iteration of the band into like death metal like dark metal and then they recruited this singer that you hear right here. Really? And then turned it into a pop-facing act. So stories like that are really cool. It's crazy. Really you cool. Know, it just goes to show you never know where you're going to end up. And this song actually ended up being featured on the film Romeo and Juliet just yep. after the release of the single, Cruel Intentions as well. So it was definitely a mainstay in 90s media. This song was pretty much, in other words, my way of saying it was everywhere. Yeah, I mean, Cruel Intentions, Romeo and Juliet, those are huge films. For sure. I'm one of the only people who actually enjoyed Romeo and Juliet in the theater, I think. The actual movie? Yes, people were walking out left and right when I saw it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that was was that Leo's like first big moment, Romeo and Juliet? I don't think it was his first, but uh, probably Basketball Diaries was that. But um, nonetheless, I remember people just walking out of AMC or whatever. As we were uh, watching that movie together. It, was it this song that kept you in the theater, JD? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me flooding around like a fairy in the front. <laughs> hey. But That's for real, I, I do love this song and I do enjoy this band. So around the time that this song came out, I scored tickets to see them at Irving Plaza in the city. And the really cool thing. So speaking of those dark, heavy metal roots that the, the other members of the band have, um, an interesting cover on this album that they did was uh, Black Sabbath's Iron Man. Really? You have to hear it. It is an interesting 
take because I know you like covers that are very, very different from the original. Yeah. Uh, So I implore you to check out the Cardigans version of Iron Man. I will. And also, if you're listening, another great Cardigan song is You're the Storm, Mm. which is, ooh, I mean, maybe I, I, I don't know if I like that as much as Loveful, but it's up there. It's a great tune. And that's just it. They tried again. Um, with that song, they also tried again a couple years later with another album or two. They just didn't have that other hit to catapult them forward into, you know, U.S. mainstream again. They got close, but it's it's hard. I mean, everything came together in this track. For sure. Everything worked. For and sure. That, that's an everything. Song. You have to be hitting on so many different cylinders for, uh, for a, a song to become a hit. And that's why I included it on the perfect playlist because, I mean, you could put this on a couple of playlists and it would work. You're making dinner, sounds great. You're having a party, sounds great. You're trying to woo someone, this this would work too. The big question, though, for you, because yeah. we talked about this in the past, does it work on a playlist where you're chopping vegetables? I think so because you could kind of <laughs> shake your hips left and right as you were, you know— Doing little sous chef. <laughs> that's always the cutting. big. That's always the important question. Can you chop vegetables to this song? You can absolutely chop vegetables. Yes, I think we've created. Touch your a, pepper. I think we've <laughs> created a really nice, danceable, feel good playlist. And that was the point. One hits come in many shapes and forms through the years, but you know we definitely had a playlist here that you could feel good about putting on at any party or really anywhere at any time. And this is probably the first playlist we've had, JD, on our podcast where you could play this at an event. Mm-hmm. Our other stuff is probably just for them. It's sure. probably just for you, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, I don't know if it works as like a congruous playlist that you can play in a moment. Mm-hmm. But this one, I think, really works. You can play this entire playlist from top to bottom. Yep. Maybe we'll have another, you know, iteration of this, you know, One Who Wonders podcast in the future. Yeah, I could definitely see this having a sequel. I could definitely see us having Embarrassing Pop having yeah. playlist having a sequel. There are just so many of those, too, that we could have fun with. And I love when people come back with, oh, you guys missed this or you guys missed that. Of course we did. You know, I love that. So we, we missed plenty, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know. My whole life is a miss. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everything is, right? <laughs> but I think we really hit on some good ones that are going to stand the test of time. For sure. So I want to thank everybody for listening. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us on Twitter at the Perfect PL or on Instagram at the Perfect Playlist Pod. We are on Apple. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts. And I appreciate everybody who has provided feedback. You know, give us five stars on Apple if you're listening right now. Provide as much feedback as you can because you know what? We are nothing without our listeners and uh, without the feedback that we get from them to, to properly curate this show for the future right jd yes you're not a one-hit wonder in our hearts you are a multi-platinum multi-hit record in my pants <laughs> now you're just placating the masses, <laughs> JD. thanks for listening to the perfect playlist